Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Cooked it on the stove, crazy son of a bitch. You are listening to Trophy Horse. With your hosts, Tricky Mick, Alex, I yield to no one, Steve. Hello everyone and welcome to Trophy Whores. This is episode 329 and I'm your host again for the second week in a row, Alex. And uh, I gotta tell you, I'm enjoying a nice vino verde as well as the company of my good friend, I yield to no one. Hey everybody, I am feeling awfully festive today. Well, yield, what could bring on this uh, this festive feeling? Well, not only is this kind of technically our Christmas episode... But I have just returned from a family Christmas party. Very nice. Were there any uh, fun holiday traditions that your family likes to do? Um, I think we're still trying to figure those out with with my in-laws. Um, everybody got there. We ate. Made the kids antagonize while we adults continued to eat while they were ready for presents. And I chuckled at myself going, I remember agonizing over presents. No, we'll make them wait. And then, you know, went and opened presents, so. You know, one of the things that a couple holiday traditions in in my family, uh, my mom and I always used to, every December, early in December, when Hallmark would release their new collection of ornaments, we would always go and buy at least one or two, maybe three ornaments uh, every year to put on the tree. So we always got, like, cool things like Chewbacca or Mr. Potato Head or, like, Mr. Plow, Homer Simpson's plow truck from The Simpsons. I even got one year uh, the Rock'em Sock'em Robots. Oh, so that was always awesome. something fun my mom and I did. And then at my dad's house, my brother, my stepbrother and I always kind of teamed up to try to find our presents. And I remember specifically one year, my dad got really crafty with hiding them. And he hid them in the back, tr- in the trunk of his car. And he left the car at the house. So we knew they were in there. So we were trying to find all kinds of ways, like without actually smashing the lock and getting in there, uh, to, to get to these these keys. And my dad would leave a bowl of keys in his room. So we would literally search every key to try to get it in the lock and open that that trunk. But of course, he had the keys with him the entire time. So it was just a fool's errand. But that that was always me and my stepbrother trying to to outsmart my dad, in which we never could because we could never get to our presents. <laughs> that actually sounds that actually almost sounds like he did that on purpose. Oh, I'll he did. A, I'll leave a bowl of keys here. 
evil genius just to taunt us. Excellent. Now, of course, Tricky could not join us this week. Uh, neither could Steven. So you just got me and Yield. But we're here to give you our updated trophy counts. And I guarantee you we're more impressive than Tricky could ever hope to be. Exactly. So let's start off with Tricky, since we mentioned him first. Tricky is level 33, his total trophy count is 8,423, and he's got a platinum count of 79. He keeps talking about how I'd be worried or concerned with him getting another platinum. He's 15 away from me, so I don't know why he's that. He's, he's making those statements. I think you're safe. Simple math would tell you that I have 94 platinums in 93 games. My total trophy count is 6,427, and I am at level 30. Yield, what's your count? I am at level 25. I am still at a trophy count of 4827 and a platinum count of 73. Wunderbar. So Steve is level 14. He has a total trophy count of 1768 and a platinum count of 4. Sid, the the man behind the muscle behind Sophie's trophies is level 27, total trophy count of 5,887, and a platinum count of 78. So he, again, is still just one behind Tricky. So I have a feeling very soon we're going to be announcing that uh, that Sid is going to overtake Tricky. And he'll be in second or in third place. Yeah, exactly. And notice that Sid has almost 3,000 fewer total trophies than Tricky, which means he probably completes more games. But again, Sid recently married, he and Mandy, so... uh it might take a little longer than the normal to, to overtake Tricky. So. But it'll happen. I have faith in Sid. So do I. Yeah. Yield, what have you been playing this week as we lead into the holiday holiday season? Unfortunately, I haven't been playing a lot. Uh, uh, like I said, I finished Horizon last week. And I, I had a lot of overtime. So I, I didn't really play anything at all this week, unfortunately. Very nice. You still working towards that Platinum in Horizon? No, I got it uh, last week. Oh, that's right. You mentioned we were talking about the timestamp with Tricky the, and who the, had gotten the it The timestamp was Tricky. He beat me by a week. Or maybe a couple of weeks. He got it on like the 22nd of November, and I got it on the 9th of December. All right. Well, I've been simply playing just... Uh, I've been thinking about hooking up my Super Nintendo because I pulled it out from storage and put it in my entertainment system. So, entertainment system. So, I've been thinking about playing that quite a bit. Maybe some Super Punch-Out, because I'm always one for some Super Punch-Out. But uh, mainly just been playing some uh, Uncharted The Lost Legacy, trying to get through my crushing run. And I'm about, I'm on Chapter 4 of that. And, you know, when you put on crushing and an Uncharted game, you know, you may it may have been a few years since you played one, but as soon as you get back into it, you remember how frustrating some of those battles can be. Yes. Because I am dying a lot in these gun battles. Cover is your best friend. True, but at this point, I mean, the enemies are so good at throwing grenades, and there are so many of them, they just swarm you, and cover doesn't always save you. Like, I've tried to take cover in multiple places, and it's just like five guys swarming at you at once. And I hate to say it, but Nadine Ross, who I actually like as a character, is almost damn near worthless as a partner in the game. At least on the crushing difficulty. I mean, she'll take out one or two people, but by the time that she's done that, you're near dead, because it takes maybe like three or four hits to kill you on crushing. Gotcha. So the AI isn't all that helpful. No, not not really. Not as helpful as Ellie in The Last of Us or even uh, Elena in the, the previous Uncharted games. That That's a bummer. Because that's one thing you noticed about Elena in the first Uncharted game is that she just wasn't like a sidekick. She actually helped you quite a bit. Like she could shoot really well and hit our targets really, really damn well. 
And you would think Nadine should be able to do that, considering that she is, you know, a mercenary. A Naughty Dog character? And that too. Ellie and Elena are both Naughty Dog characters? Yeah, no, I agree. But, uh, yeah, so I've just been playing Uncharted The Lost Legacy, trying to work towards my 100% and my uh, Platinum. Hopefully my 75th Platinum in 74 games. Um, I'll get there. I think I'll be getting back into some Uncharted 4 over uh, over shutdown here in another week. Did you ever play Golden Abyss on the PSP or did you even uh, the Vita? Did you have a Vita? Yes, I do. Yes, I do, and I have that platinum. Very, very nice. I have that one as well. I I, I very much enjoyed uh, how Ben Studio uh, did the different ways. You know, you, you got your standard find the secret treasure. Ooh, shiny, shiny! I need to get to it, shoot it, make it fall down, collect it. And they still had that in Golden Abyss. But I liked all the other different ones where you had the rubbings and then you had the puzzles that you had to like collect. You know, you had to, uh, you know, build the puzzle or the map, so to speak, find the map pieces and all those other little extra treasure hunts that you had to do along the way. I thought that was very interesting and I really enjoyed it. And I was hoping when Uncharted 4 came out with its touchpad, that they would might incorporate some of those ideas in four just because of, I liked the little extra different nuances to do. It added another, I guess, chapter to the story and, you know, Naughty Dog didn't and it wasn't, you know, overly bummed. I just think that would have been something really cool to add. Yeah. To me, it seemed like they didn't add too many new mechanics to this game. You know, I, I really like the Lost Legacy, but it seems like the lock picking mechanic and, you know, maybe, Maybe I had forgotten that it had been in a previous game, but it seemed that had been, like, the really only new mechanic that they had thrown in there. If if someone is, if I am wrong about that, someone please fact-check me and tell me, but I don't remember it being in previous uh, Uncharted games. I don't think so. I will say, though, that I have been. We used the analog stick, the left analog stick, to kind of uh, open a set of locks, usually a set of, like, two or three pins for one lock. Someone please call me out on that if I'm wrong, but it's been a while since I played Uncharted 3. So, But, you know, Uncharted is a big and a heavy hitter within the video game industry. Time to kind of go to get into our news, uh, dip our toes in the water, and talk about another heavy hitter, although this one not necessarily as fancied by Tricky, Metal Gear Survive. We've gotten dates for the open beta, which will not be until after the new year, but if you're interested in playing... A co-op mode within Metal Gear Survive, trying it out before the game releases. The open beta on the PS4 and Xbox One will occur from January 18th to January 21st. Sorry, PC folks, nothing has been announced for you just yet. Now, uh, the Metal Gear spinoff will actually be released on February 20th, 2018. So this is happening, this beta is happening just a, a little bit more than a month shy of the game's release. Now, Yield and I are not really big Metal Gear fans. You know, previously, and I want to say this, this was not me, usually I named the title episodes, but the title, the titles of the episodes, but Tricky actually took the wheel on one of the episodes and named the show Don't Buy Metal Gear Survive. So, I think we know how Tricky feels about this game. He's stated it quite often, but uh, it seems like true Metal Gear fans are, uh, are not happy with this game. You know, maybe it strays too far from Metal Gear's roots, that seems to be one of the big things, but... You know, hey, uh, if you're not going to have Kojima attached to the project, why not try something different? You know, I I don't want Metal Gear fans to come after me. 
Um, I always want like uh, a beloved IP to be respected, but you know, it's, it's not necessarily a bad thing for, for people to branch out and try new things. You know, do you, do you think I should just shut my mouth before I get attacked by everyone who loves Metal Gear Solid? No, you're entitled to your opinion. I, I understand why everybody... The internet is... doesn't always think that. No, no, it doesn't. The internet thinks that everybody should think that the way everybody else thinks. Um, I, I'm disappointed, you know. Uh, everybody knows Metal Gear as a, a, a Hideo project. It's Kojima's baby. Kojima, like that's yes. what he's most known for. And, you know, he, he's been there since basically the beginning. I mean, even all the way back to NES. It's his game. And then to now, since he's parted ways and they're going to continue Metal Gear, all of us that have grown up with Metal Gear, we're rightfully going to go, that's not Metal Gear and I don't know what you're doing. So, I, I, I see the hate, and I see the boycott. Um, you know, I'm, I probably won't overly be looking at this game. I mean, I mean I'm never going to say never. I mean, who knows? It could be a really cool co-op game, but, you know, it's just, it's just disappointing. They probably should have let the series go when that, you know, when Hideo left, but... Well, when there's money to be made, they can't let go of it. They can't let go, I know. And, you know, but Kojima, Hideo Kojima, as we know, has moved on to a new project, uh, Death Stranding, and if you've watched anything on this game, you pretty much know absolutely jack shit about what's going on. That's what I keep saying. Someone please explain to me what I've just watched. Yeah, it, it seems like... Just when you wrap your mind, you know what? I'm not even going to say that. It seems from the start that that this the appeal of this game, or part of the appeal of this game, besides the fact that Norman Reedus is in it and it's a Hideo Kojima game, is the fact that you don't know what's going on and you can't figure everything out. And it's one of those games that seems so weird and fucked up that you're just drawn to it. That's what I would go with. I mean, every trailer I've seen, I've been like, "Wow, that's that that's really cool." And what are they trying to tell me? And then at the end of it, I'm like. That was some really cool stuff, but what did I just see? Now, IGN was able to shed a little bit more light on the gameplay of uh, Death Stranding. Uh, Marty Silva, who over at IGN, spoke with Hideo Kojima at the 2017 Game Awards, and he unveiled, you know, he kind of uh, talked a little bit more about the game and and the lore and everything. Uh, I want you to go over and read the article on IGN. It's called Kojima Explains Death Stranding Gameplay and Lore. I don't want to just sit here and read the entire article like Tricky would normally do, but there is one big nugget that I want to take out of it and uh, and just kind of talk to the, the listeners about and talk with you, Yield, and see what you think. Okay. So Death in Games has always been kind of like game over, continue, you're back. And a lot of times, like in modern games, like in Uncharted that I'm currently playing, if you die, you go back to a checkpoint, you know, um, which may occur like minutes before when you died or seconds before you died, but it always takes you back right before to, you died. Right before you died. So, um, you know, we've seen new ideas on how to handle death. There's been talk of like permadeath in games. Uh, Hellblade: Sinuous Sacrifice. That was a game that kind of tinkered with the the mechanic of death, where you know, if you died once. In the game, it didn't kill you forever. You could still you you would uh, kind of rise up and continue the game, but 
there's a, a thing within the game since you know Sinwa is going to hell trying to retrieve her her lover's soul. Every time she dies, there is something called the rot, which works its way up her arm. It's like a black, almost like vein thing, almost like black roots moving up her arm. It's not pretty, and it's quite, quite terrifying. It adds to the the game's whole mystique and and really just um, psychosis of it all. So if the rot reaches Sinwa's head, she dies, and you have to start over. You lose your progress. Now I don't know how many times that is because I never got the rot to reach to her head. But there were a few times when I was playing where the rot seemed to get all the way up to her shoulder. And I was getting started kind of concerned because, like, I, I don't want to have to start this game over. So, well, even though they didn't really do permadeath in the way that you might think, like, you die, you're done, you start over, uh, they at least brought some new ideas to the table. And uh, Kojima was talking about the idea of death and death stranding. And the way he mentioned it uh, to Marty Silva was that when you die, you kind of go to purgatory where you can leave your body and you can kind of move around and explore first person. You can collect items uh, and such. And when you want to go back to the world, you just go back to your body and then it'll drop you off. It'll recognize your death and embrace it, but it'll put you back at the spot where you were after your death. So you're basically continuing from where you were. It's not like you're going back five minutes to the checkpoint that you hit before you got into some battle or, or some firefight where you died. Now, Yield, how do you feel about this? Because the idea of necessarily, like, uh, it recognizing that you failed at an attempt to get past this one point in the game, but, you know, giving you a chance to, to kind of go to purgatory, purgatory and then come back to life, um, how do you feel about that, as opposed to just dying and hitting, hitting a continue screen? I'm I'm kind of liking the idea. Um, I you know I I read it right before we started recording and I've been kind of pondering it and I, I I like new ideas or new concepts in games. So I'm I'm interesting to I'm interested to see how it works and and how it's implemented. You know the whole the whole collecting things, um, the whole collecting things once you're you know you're dead and you're in purgatory so you can float around and collect things. I'm interesting to see what you can collect you know is it you know is it useful stuff is it just collectibles you know is it you know maps or something to help you along the way yeah it, it's it's interesting i i run i yeah i, I want to see this because it it's even even the, the tried and true method of you know die take you back a couple seconds or half a chapter and repeat you you know what's coming up with that you know you know okay that guy came around that corner and he shot me or launched a grenade at me or a rocket launcher okay so i got to be prepared for this what uh kojima is you know is is delivering to us or explaining to us i guess i should say is that you know when you come back into the game whatever killed you you can see the aftermath and you start right there so it's not a, okay, this guy's going to come out and kill me. No, everybody's gone. It's already happened. It's over. So it's, it's you know, there's no rinse and repeat. It's, okay, here we go again. You know, I want to see this too, and I like the idea. Because, again, with the Uncharted series, it's so frustrating to hit that, that continue screen and have to continue to like go back um, for your last checkpoint. Uh, just coming to mind, Dishonored was another game that did that. 
if you died or got caught, like when you if you killed the target and weren't supposed to, you had to continue from your last checkpoint or save. So I like this idea. And just to bring back uh, Hellblade, even though one death didn't kill me, like one defeat in battle did not kill me in Hellblade, I'll tell you, once the rot started to move its way up my body, I fought a lot harder and I got a lot more conscious about where I was in battle and where the enemies were and I got a lot more careful. And I, I fought more defensively and, and picked my spots a lot more uh, consciously. And um, So yeah, I, I think that the idea of getting to a point where you can't continue definitely changed the way I behaved and the way I played, and it made me a lot better fighter in that game. So even though the promise of permadeath wasn't necessarily served as you know people might traditionally think it, it certainly did make me be more conscious of how I was acting within the game. And I, I like stuff like that. It, it, it's, it changes up the way that we traditionally play games. You know, I, I think that if I haven't played uh, Sun Youth Sacrifice, but I would, you know, I would do the same thing. You know, you're reckless. You know, you're you're trying to figure things out, so you're going to die a few times. But as that rot starts to go up your arm, it's going to be like, whoa, you know, my game will be done. I need to watch what I do and not be so reckless. And, you know, so I, I, I applaud developers for for changing the norm. Most definitely. And, you know, one developer that we all love to applaud is Naughty Dog. You know, we talk, I talked a little bit about Uncharted The Lost Legacy earlier because I've been playing it quite a bit. It has been announced, or it was announced at uh, PSX, that the Uncharted series has sold around four, or has sold 41.7 million copies to date. So that includes everything in in the mix. Um, so it it includes Uncharted Drake's Fortune, Uncharted 2, uh, Among Thieves... Oh, hold on. Unthar Uncharted 2 is Among Thieves, right? Yes. Uncharted 3 was Drake's Deception, Uncharted 4, A Thief's End, then there was also, uh, most recently, The Lost Legacy, uh, the Vita title, uh, Golden Abyss, which we talked about. And then apparently there was a card game in there called Fight for Fortune, which I don't remember. I remember seeing it on the store, but since it was a card game, I was like, eh. I didn't bother with it. Yeah, so there there are what I would call six major games and then a card game thrown in there. Because The Lost Legacy took me at least 11 hours to beat. So I would say, even though it's a spinoff, I would say it's still a major game, but not necessarily a mainline game. So among all yeah. those games, across all those games, Uncharted has sold 41.7 million copies. And that's pretty amazing. I mean, math was not my, my strongest suit, but you figure, I mean, that's more than six, six on average, more than six million copies per game. Although you would assume that the card game Fight for Fortune did not sell six million, nor did Golden Abyss, since I imagine the... the not everybody have, has a Vita. Exactly, the install base for a Vita is much smaller. But on average, that's six million per game, which I would have to say, you know, you hear about games selling two million, three million. So yeah, like, I, I definitely think that this is a, a big... Um, I think this is uh, something that Naughty Dog can hang its hat on, something that Sony can be proud of, and everyone can look to who's played the games and, you know, the game makers themselves and say, hey, you know, we have done something really great with Uncharted, especially since the series when it came out, everyone said, or a lot of people saw it as a kind of a ripoff or like almost an homage to Indiana Jones or Tomb Raider. So for this game to cut this series to come this far, mostly on the, the skill of the developer and the characters they created 
is a pretty amazing thing. I absolutely, that's what drew me to the series. A buddy of mine sat me down and said, here, you gotta, you gotta play this. And I'm like, wow, this is like Indiana Jones meets Tomb Raider. I'm sold. Yeah. I mean, there's really nothing more we can say about this. You know, congratulations to Naughty Dog and to Sony. So, uh, but I mean, it's just kind of one thing, you know, we have long, you know, tricky and, and Steven, I think, and really anyone on the show, I think I, I speak for them except for maybe, you know, past host Donnie who, um, I can't remember if he was a big fan of the Uncharted games, but I, I, for some reason, I feel like, I feel like he had his issues with them, though, which is totally fine. But I feel like Donnie might have raised more more uh, eyebrows than most when it comes to the Uncharted games. And we're we're going to end our topics with the, <coughs> with the 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 huge news that Disney has purchased 20th Century Fox, which also includes Fox Searchlight, Fox 2000, and Blue Sky Studios, which is uh, an animation studio. So basically, you're adding the the Fox Movie Company to Marvel Entertainment, which already includes Lucasfilm and Pixar Animation, which makes them a like a Thanos-like character, like a Galactus, within the uh, the universe of making movies. Uh, they're huge. Now, for a lot of us, we see this as you know, Fox owned the rights to Deadpool, to Fantastic Four which they've done a very poor job of bringing the Fantastic Four to the to the silver screen, as well as the X-Men. Now, X-Men, I would say Days of Future Past is one of the best X, or one of the best uh, superhero movies ever made, and I, I think that there are a lot of people who would agree with that. But, you know, there are a lot of other X-Men movies that people did not like. Uh, the Last Stand, like if you go back and watch the first X-Men movie, it doesn't hold up, and, you know, X-Men Apocalypse have definitely had its fair share of detractors and critics. So what now we have is Disney buying Fox. You now have all those characters, the X-Men, the Fantastic Four, being brought over under the Disney umbrella, which means they can be part of the MCU, which we could possibly see an Avengers X-Men crossover or maybe throwing the Fantastic Four into the Avengers mix, which is all pretty damn awesome. You think of all the characters, they can play off each other and fight fight alongside each other or battle each other. Me being an X-Men fan growing up, they have always been my favorite part of the Marvel Universe. But in recent years, like seeing the backstories and having characters like Thor and Hulk and Iron Man and Ant-Man and Captain America brought to life on the silver screen, it's given me a a tunnel into their, their world, into their lores, because I didn't really grow up growing grow up um reading comics i collected them uh, i collected like trading cards for x-men i watched cartoons but i didn't necessarily like, read the comics so the stories to me like watching these movies are seeing like the and seeing the origin stories of a lot of these characters is kind of my first real jump into those their worlds so the idea of an x-men avengers crossover is blowing my mind right now like yield how do you feel about this deal <sighs> i see some positives to it um, uh, uh, a lot of the things that I'm, you know, looking over with in the article and hearing you about, you know, combining the X-Men and the Fantastic Four with the Marvel Universe, a lot of the characters in those movies or the actors who portrayed these characters are kind of at the end of their run. So you would almost would have to start over. So to speak, if you now start, you know, bringing in different, different characters, because, you know, a lot like, like, uh, you know, 
the next Wolverine is not going to be the Wolverine we all know and love. So the MCU, like the X-Men movies that we have known before, are not part of the MCU. They now have a new Wolverine, uh, a new actor to play Wolverine, so he can come into the MCU whenever they wanted him to without any kind of explanation needed because Hugh Jackman has not been, a, been part of the MCU. One of the bigger problems, you know, obviously, is with uh, Tony Stark, Robert Downey Jr., and Chris Evans as Captain America because, obviously, those two characters have uh, been around the longest. I mean, Iron Man was the first movie within the MCU. He started it all, and, you know, Captain America being the first Avenger, he has been in now six mainline uh, MCU movies. At the very least, there's three, three Captain America movies, two Avengers movies, now a third one coming out, and he's going to be in, uh, well, he signed up for uh, the fourth Avengers movie. So there have been talks of both those actors stepping away. Now, there's also been talks of uh, Sebastian Stan, Bucky Barnes taking over the role of Captain America, as well as Sam Wilson, uh, the actor Anthony Mackie, who plays Sam Wilson, the Falcon, taking over as Captain America. So you don't necessarily need to start over if you're just going to throw those two characters, like if one of those two characters can take over the role of Captain America. You know, we all assume that there's going to be a lot of deaths with over the course of the next two Marvel movies, or the next two Avengers movies, so you could simply kill off Iron Man and the story just continues from there. I mean, you just continue on with like Mark Mark Ruffalo or Paul Rudd as Ant Man. They just introduced the you know the Guardians of the Galaxy. They've only done two movies with them. They just introduced um, Chadwick Boseman as the Black Panther. You've got uh, still Benedict Cumberbatch as Doctor Strange. So they've introduced a lot of new characters along the way. Yeah, you are right. It's just I almost feel it's too much of a monopoly. Not, not, not that it's a bad thing, but, you know, Disney, they, they let him have, well, uh, you know, it was, it was iffy getting Deadpool, you know, rated R. And Disney is, is a, is a, you know, a family company. And now you're taking over a movie company that tends to, that will do rated R movies. And then... It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. So you're kind of almost closing a door maybe for a possibility of of those types of movies because Disney you know may not want to tarnish Well their I think it, uh, and I there is a terrific article on IGN by Jim uh, Vishvoda sorry if I got your name wrong there Jim uh, but there's an article on IGN and it is titled Disney is now the most powerful movie studio of all time and it talks about Disney's market share in 2016 being 26% uh, of the total market of movies. Which, if you're, you know, simple math tells you that's one-fourth of all, like, movie market share, which is huge, considering they're just one studio. This is before the Fox acquisition, which includes beyond, like, uh, <laughs> beyond X-Men, like, stuff like Aliens. The Aliens franchise is part of Fox. You just think of everything that's within Fox, and it's pretty crazy. 
but uh, uh, Robert Iger, he has uh, said, and I get this uh, from the, the IGN article, has talked about that uh, they would be willing to do an R-rated Deadpool. Now, how many R-rated movies they'd be willing to do, we don't know. It maybe just be a one-time or experimental thing for them, because obviously you can't market that to kids, and your ability to sell merchandise and toys is, is non-existent. You know, one of the bigger aspects of this is in 2019, or by 2019, we've heard that Disney plans to have their own streaming service. So they're going to pull their content from Netflix and put their, their content on a new streaming service, which includes now, like, X-Men, Fantastic Four, in addition to the Lucasfilm stuff, as well as... Uh, their own stuff. So there's a ton of content they could put on their uh, now, their streaming service now that makes it even more attractive. Include, in fact, this article, uh, I had no idea that George Lucas did not own the rights to the first Star Wars movie. Fox had those. Now, that's all part of uh, the very first Star Wars movie, A New Hope, is now the rights to that have now gone back to Lucasfilm and Disney. So now they own all the, the Star Wars movies. So all that content they can put on Netflix, and now apparently... A 39% chunk of Hulu ownership. The article on IGN uh, proposes that possibly they could use Hulu as a way to set up their own streaming service or maybe use that as part of their streaming service. So this is a, like, Disney buying Marvel back in 2012 was huge. Or sorry, yeah, Disney buying Marvel back in 2012 was huge. And this just adds to that because they're, they're getting the rights to so much more and, and their ability to, like, I... Disney's just a monster at this point. They're a juggernaut within the film industry. Their animation studios are top-notch, and they have now the MCU and Star Wars. It's hard to compete against that in an age where people are, you know, reinvigorated by the Star Wars series after uh, The Force Unleashed as well as Rogue One, and the fact that Pixar and Disney animation studios are so beloved and such an entrenched part of all our lives, uh, not only adults but children— it's really hard to fight against that, and, and it was hard to fight against that before, but now that all the Fox properties are with them, it's like, what do you do? Like, how do you stop Disney? I think at this point, after this acquisition, the government would have to start to say, like, okay, Disney, you're done. You're you're too big. Yeah, I would think they wish, wouldn't be able to purchase anything else. All the content they could put out now within the MCU and the stories they can create and how they can continue those stories. Because, again, the X-Men movies were part of Fox. They weren't part of the MCU. So now that you bring in those the, the property rights, you can cast all new characters, cast whoever you want, younger actors to you know sign up for three to six movies or however many, and you can just continue the MCU and just add those characters in. You make valid points. I can't argue with you. Yeah, so I as scary as kind of uh, Disney is getting and how I'm kind of perturbed that I'm going to have to sign up for their streaming service. 9999 Yes, uh, I think this is definitely an awesome and exciting time to be a moviegoer and a, a Marvel fan. And I think that this will make Marvel even that much better than DC as far as movies go. I just prefer good movies. Don't we all? Don't we all? Alright, well, we are going to wrap up with a topic of the week, and we're just going to do something short here. Uh, we are going to save our uh, Game Awards discussions, our predictions and results and everything... Thank you again, Sid, for being the judge on that. We're going to wait until Steven and Tricky get back, so we'll probably do that next week. Uh, but I'm just, you know, I'm going to simply ask you a question. With the holidays coming up, 
you know, say you're you're a younger yield and you can have access. You know, your your parents are setting up the tree downstairs and you're waiting on Santa to come. And you you run downstairs in the morning to open up a package, and it's a video game. It's it's any one video game you could have right now to play on Christmas morning. Which game do you want to open? It's not out yet. Um. Okay, it has to be out. Oh boy. See that one's not out yet. And that one. I'm trying to think of what I put on my list that's relevant. You know what? I would probably be Star Wars Battlefront Two. Did you play the first one? I I did a little bit, and I have it. I had I didn't play it as much as I should have uh, because of my internet at the time. I need to get back into that. But I did play some 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 couch co op with a couple of buddies, and I I messed around with with uh, well, you can play a couch co op or single player. So I messed around with some of that, but I didn't really dive into all of the uh, online aspects of it. But my younger self would want Star Wars. And would want the space battles and all that stuff. So I would that would probably be the game that I would be ooh ah about. I think you're just a big Star Wars nerd. Well, I'm I'm that too. I you know, I mean that's a good answer because obviously they have a story aspect to Battlefront Two, whereas with the first one was just online multiplayer. And you know maybe maybe local multiplayer was it local multiplayer? Or was it all only online? No, there was there was a local. Uh, one you could do that was kind of like uh, basically kind of like survival. You had to make it through like 10 waves of enemies that you could either tackle by yourself or you could play with a local co-op. If I had to pick one game, and this may surprise some people, although it might not because I've got this game on my backlog, I haven't played it yet, but I really want to play it, I'd probably have to say The Last Guardian. No, that doesn't overly surprise me. You speak. You speak so highly of Shadow of Colossus. Yeah, I'm a big proponent, a big champion of the the pro team eco movement. There are a lot of us. Sony Japan Studios, pretty damn awesome. But yeah, Shadow of Colossus is one of my favorite games ever made. It might be number two on that list behind Ocarina of Time. But you know, I I was really happy when The Last Guardian got good reviews when it came out because with that game being in development for so long. I was worried that it was going to get panned or that it would get mediocre reviews and everyone would just be like, wow, this was a waste of time. Uh, listeners, if you've got a particular game that you would like to receive on Christmas morning and just spend the entire day playing, uh, most definitely like uh, write to us, let us know, tweet at us, uh, hit us on the Facebook page, you know, email us if you want. But uh, but definitely, you know, what we want to hear, uh, Yield and I are just two people, we want to hear what you have to say. So... Uh, before we move into our housekeeping, as usual, we are going to bring you to the strongest part of our show, probably most people's favorite part of the show. Our man, Sid, is bringing another episode of Sophie's Trophies to you. So now I'm going to stop that one, and I'm going to throw it to one of the nicest guys I've ever known. It's our main man, Sid. Hey guys, how you all doing? Uh, Sid again with Sophie's Trophies, episode 21. Um, now, with us coming up to the end of the year, um, and I know that this uh, episode will be coming out the Thursday before Christmas, 
Um, I'm going to do a top five. Um, not a top five as you would usually think it. Um, it's a top five platinum trophies of the year. Um, now the criteria for this is all the platinum trophies I talk about are going to be earned this year. The game could have come out seven years ago for all I care. As long as I earned it this year, it's going to count. Um, so, I will have a look at my trophy list. There are quite a few games here that I have played this year that I haven't platinumed, which I will do. Um, so, let's see what we can do here. So let me check some uh, dates on this, guys. Okay, good. Alice Madness Returns. Um, I got this platinum on the 24th of the 2nd uh, of this year. It's an ultra rare, 3.3. Uh, uh, the game, I have to say, I love this game. Um, it's not great, but, you know, it's a dark, twisted version of Alice in Wonderland. Think sort of Tim Burton-esque type of thing. And I do know that American McGee, uh, he's the creator of the game, is trying to get Alice 3 made. And uh, I sincerely hope he does it, because it was an enjoyable game. Um, so that is, uh, I'd say that's probably the number five platinum, to be honest. Um, an enjoyable game, uh, well worth playing, it's on the PS3. Um, another one I got this year, it's not in the top five really, but that was Saw. Um, that's an okay game if you like the Saw games. Again, 30th of the 3rd, so a while ago. Um, it's a 7.7% trophy. It's not a hard game, that. Quite easy to get through. Um, I'm mentioning it because it's on my list. Um, it's not a top five, though. It was okay. Um, let's have a look here. Lego Star Wars The Force Awakens. Um, this is definitely in my top five. I, you know, I'm a big Star Wars fan, and I enjoy the Lego games. Um, easy platinum. Good fun to play through. Can take a while. Um... I didn't experience any glitches on this. Um, some people have. Um, I didn't do any of the DLC. Um, but anyway, earned that on the 26th of the 4th, 2017. That's an ultra rare at 2.9. Um, like I say, Star Wars, Lego, can't go wrong. Great game. Um, now this might surprise a few. I think I've talked about it. But another one in my top five is Everybody's Gone to the Rapture. Um, the walking simulator. You don't really do much in it, to be honest. Um, I earned that on the 1st of the 5th, uh, and that's a 2.6. That's an ultra rare. Um, I really enjoyed that game, but you have to have patience for it. Um, and uh, use a guide, because it can be a pain in the arse trying to find all the signposts. Um, another one that I got, not in the top 5, is Ether 1. Again, a walking simulator, but far too glitchy. Um, okay, this has to be in my top five. I'm sorry to anybody. Um, cat lateral damage. Um, me and my stepdaughter, Chloe, really enjoyed playing through this one together. Um, the trophy, platinum trophy, is uh, poor, poor Latinum. Uh, so platinum, but with poor in front of it. It's really hard to say. Um, that is a very rare 6.9. I earned that one on the 17th of the 5th. Um, it's just, you play a cat and you knock everything over. Simple as that. Um, good, fun little game. Takes a while. Um, another two that aren't in my top five, the Star Wars Force Unleashed games. Enjoyable. 
Um, got both of those this year. I did enjoy those. Um, again, not in my top five though. Uh, the Lego Harry Potter collection. Again, Lego games. Uh, I love Lego games. They are they are great fun to play through. I'm going to lump both of these games into one. Uh, there's years one to four, and years five to seven. I think. Just let me check that. Yep, years five to seven. Both of those are, again, very enjoyable games. Well worth playing. Um, you know what? This is supposed to be a top five, and I forgot what numbers I'm up to. So let's just go through this. Um, Infamous Second Son. Another great platinum to get. Um, really easy game to play through. Enjoyable. Story's not great. Um, most people don't like the character of Delsin. I actually really like that character. Uh, played by Troy Baker. Um, who is pretty much great in anything he does. Um, you'll know him from The Last of Us. Uh, and as uh, Jake, uh, Drake's brother in Uncharted 4. Uh, that's a very rare trophy, a 5.8. H, which surprises me because it's an older game. Um, easy enough to get the Platinum on. Uh, I got that on the 20th of the 8th um, this year, obviously. Um, good game. Really, really enjoyed it. Uh, let's see what else we got. Lara Croft Go. Yeah. Average game. Um, okay, I say average game. It's a good game, but nothing major or nothing special. Uh, Coffin Dodgers. That's another simple one. Uh, let's have a look and see when I got that one. It's a 28.1% and it's called Retirement. Uh, 17th of the 9th. So we're getting we're getting up to the uh, up to date here. Life is Strange. I didn't really enjoy that game, to be honest, guys. Um, you know, the whole time travel thing on it was, was a bit tedious to me. A lot of people really liked it, but no, it, it was okay. Energy Cycle, 15-minute platinum. Um, can't really say anything more about that. Uh, Batman Return to Arkham, Arkham Asylum. Uh, great game. Just play it. That's all I can say about that. 2.5% um, trophy got on the 8th of the 10th, so not that long ago. I'm still working on Arkham City, and I have started to play through Arkham Knight again. Um, what else have we got? Ratchet & Clank, the remake. Perfect game. Just a brilliant game all around. Uh, ultra rare trophy, that one, 4.0. I got that on the 30th of the 10th. Um, everybody should play that. My name is Mayo. Yeah. Okay, I got it. That's all you need to know. Um, Deadpool. It's okay. Um, some good humour in there. Not the greatest game I've ever played. It is a 1.0% rarity. Um, 18th of the 11th I got that, so last month. And uh, it's okay, you can sell the game now. Um, Oceanhorn. If you like Zelda, play it. Just simple as that. Good game. Quite enjoyable. Game of Thrones, Telltale. Um, I, I heard the story was really bad in that game. Um, I quite enjoyed it, to be honest. Um, it is a 19.3%, so that shows how many people enjoyed the story. Um, I got that on the first of this month. Yeah, it's, it's okay. Um, I wouldn't... If you don't like Game of Thrones, you're not going to like it. Simple as that. Um, Hitman Go, Definitive Edition... Again, like Lara Croft Go, good game. It's nothing amazing, to be honest. Um, but my uh, Platinum of the year, I know I know, I said it was a top five, but that went out the window, I think. 
Um, my Platinum of the Year has to be Tales from the Borderlands, um, another Telltale game. I uh, got this recently on the 6th of the 12th, and the uh, title of the Platinum is We Had Fun, Didn't We? And yes, we did. Um, I don't know what to say about it, to be honest. I love this game. I thought it was fantastic. The story and the characters are brilliant. Um, people need to play it. It's just so much fun. Um, there's a little robot in there, and for the life of me, I cannot remember what the little robot's called. Um, but it's such a good character. Um, so I'm sorry, I can't remember. Um, but yeah, it has to be the Platinum of the Year. I just had so much fun with this game, and I didn't expect to. I'm not a massive Borderlands fan, to be honest. Um, but I can't really give you a detailed list of the uh, trophies because it's basically complete the episodes and complete the chapters in them. Um, the ending of the game is fantastic. Um, think Power Rangers and Street Fighter mixed together. It would make sense if you play it. So, yeah, that's it. That is my Platinums for this year, really. Um, definitely Tales from the Borderlands. I'm sorry it didn't quite work out to be uh, top five. Um, I did plan it to be the top five, but um, that's the way it goes, to be honest. So, yeah, my top Platinums this year and Tales from the Borderlands definitely takes the top spot. Um, so, that's it. Now, I'm not sure whether we're going to record next weekend with it being Christmas Eve. I, I've not been told anything off tricky, so I will say this now. Um, thank you guys for listening to me waffle on this year. Um, I do appreciate it. I appreciate the chance the guys have given me and uh, that people are enjoying what I'm doing. Special thanks to Andrew, Andrew Middlemass and Dupes25 uh, for getting in touch this year and uh, letting me know they, they think I'm doing a good job. Um, you know, I appreciate it. And JT as well. Um, not sure if he still listens, but um, I will say thanks to him as well. Um, and Dave from work. I think that's all my thanks. And uh, the biggest thanks has to go to my partner, Mandy, uh, my now wife, because she lets me do this every week and supports my game playing habit. Um, but, you know, I just have to say, um, hopefully I'm getting better at doing this. Um, I hope you guys can see a marked improvement from when I started. Um, and hopefully I can do this for quite a long time, because um, I do enjoy doing it. Um, I was nerve-wracked nerve at the start, but, you know, I'm getting used to it now, guys. It's generally just talk to myself, really, and uh, then you guys listen. So, once again, a big thank you, and uh, I have to say Merry Christmas, and if I don't record next weekend, Happy New Year, and I will speak to you all in the new year. Um, look after each other, guys, you know, at this time of year. Um, special time, look after your family, look after your kids, um, you know, it's it's a wonderful time of year. You know, I never used to think that, but it is. Um, I don't really know what else to say, guys. So I will just leave you, and um, if I don't speak to you next week, because um, I'm not sure, then have a good one. Happy Christmas. No, Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. If you want to get in touch with me, as always, guys, Sidders1978 um, on the PSN um, and Sid at Proven Gamer on the email or through the Trophy Horse Facebook group. Um, if you want to send me a top five platinum list, you know, message me, let me know. I will read them out. 
Um, but that's it for this week. Maybe for this year. I will find that out soon. Um, so, yeah, have a good one and keep getting those trophies. Bye. All right, and that was the latest edition of Sophie's Trophies. Thank you, as always, Sid. It gets better every week, so we thank you for being part of Trophy Horse joining the family. So now we are going to move into our housekeeping, and we're going to clean this shit up. As usual, we are perpetually looking for help, writers, podcasters, video editors, news reporters. Really, if you have any talent in writing or editing, we want to, to hear from you. If you've got a great idea about a podcast, let us know. We specialize in podcast here on, uh, on Proven Gamer. Also, we also specialize because of Jerry. Uh, big shout out to Jerry. And uh, getting the news out to you as fast as we possibly can and as much of the news out as we can. So if you want to be part of the group, uh, all you got to do is go to the Help Wanted tab on the front page of Proven Gamer, click the link, follow all the little hoops that Tricky set up, and he will get back to you once he's looked over everything. We appreciate you listening to the podcast, but please go to ProvenGamer.com to look at our articles and also uh, our YouTube videos and Twitch.tv backslash ProvenGamer. Uh, if you want to get in touch with us, you can get us on uh, Twitter at TrophyHors. I am at Sondasaurus Rex. Tricky is at Tricky Mick. I think Steven's at Patchild27. Yes, and Yield's at I Yield to No One. We also have a phone number. It's 330-Proven9. What numbers are those Yield on a touchtone phone? 330-776-8369. Yeah, do not do not reverse those last two no, numbers. No, no, do not. Re- no, don't. Yield do that. found out that that out the hard way. Yield, when I'm actually describing the show, and uh, I recently uh, went out to dinner with uh, with someone I uh, I'd met on a dating website, and during dinner I was talking about the podcast and everything, and uh, she thought it was really cool. But I mentioned the story about how you would call the phone sex hotline because you, the the last two numbers were reversed, and she got a big kick out of that. Yes, and they called me, and they called me back. It is one of the famed stories of Trophy Horse, up there with Tricky's uh, indiscretion with a snowplow and Donnie admitting on the sh- in- admitting on the show and in front of Jeff Hanna that he ate dog food once, uh-huh. or more than once, cooked it on the stove. Crazy son of a bitch. But yes, you can also reach us through our Speak Pipe Speak Pipe app on the uh, on ProvingGamer.com. If you like Trophy Horrors, please give a listen to our other podcast, PG Spoilers, which rises from the, the dead every once in a while. And bite you when you least expect it. Yep, we've also got the Smart Marks, the premier wrestling podcast on the net. The Nintendo's dual screens with Andy and Steven, as well as the Game Stuff podcast. So we've got plenty of stuff going on. Whether you're a Sony fan, whether you're a Nintendo fan, a Microsoft fan, or a WWE fan, we got plenty of stuff to keep you occupied. You can find our podcast on Apple Podcasts, which are formerly iTunes Podcasts, as well as Stitcher, various podcast apps, Google Play, TuneIn, and there are uh, at least a couple of them. I know that you can find the Smart Marks as well as Trophy Horse on iHeartRadio. And before we get into our shoutouts, we do have some sponsors. We have, uh, first and foremost, Extra Life, uh, took place on November 4th this past year, and uh, to date, the, the Extra Life 2017, and again, if you want to donate before the end of the year, you still can. It's tax-deductible. Tax-deductible. Why did I add an X in there? Deductible. Yeah, my nose is a little stuffy. I'm talking like a <laughs> Muppet right now. It's tax-deductible. 
and you can uh, again you can donate before the end before the end of 2017. You go to extra-life.org to donate to your favorite uh, gamer, your favorite group. Uh, Proof of Gamer has a group, so definitely go on if you can and donate some money to further help the Extra Life cause. As every year, the charity event raised more money than the year before, and they raised over $10 million this year, which means we have to get over $11 million next year. And if you just hear about Extra Life, you don't know what it is. It's an annual annual gaming charity event run to benefit the, children, benefit the Children's Miracle Network of Hospitals, where gamers game for 24, 25 hours, basically a full day, and they take donations or sponsorships to support their marathon. And all of the money they raise goes to the Children's Miracle Network Hospital that they have opted to represent. So 100% of the money goes to uh, help some sick kids. Uh, so definitely get involved with Extra Life. We don't have a date for next year, but you can still donate to 2017's effort. We also have a Patreon. Yield. Yes. Or can you help me out with describing the Patreon? Uh, boy, put me on the spot. Yeah, Tricky's really better at this than everyone else. Yeah, he is. He's he's the housekeeping guru. Um, I'm bad at this because the Patreon meetings took place when I was uh, at work on overtime. We'll have Tricky record a little soundbite. What we need to do is just have Tricky record the the outro. We need to have him record the uh, the housekeeping just every week, and we can just plug it in. Although shoutouts would have to be done every week, but we can we can just plug in the housekeeping. We probably should. Although sometimes that's probably the funniest part of the show. It's true. We do have some witty banter throughout the show. So yes, uh, I do want to. Um, we'll get tricky on this. Yeah, we'll we'll get back on that. Insert here. Now you would think I could take a week off and these guys would be able to handle this, but no, they got to bring in the almighty tricky. So let me tell you guys about Patreon. Patreon.com was established to help try to get the staff some kind of money for all their efforts and what they do. If you go to Patreon.com backslash Proving Gamer, you can see the different tiers and whatnot. Uh, there are writer's tiers. There are podcast tiers. There are site tiers. No matter what tier you support us at, we greatly appreciate it. But know that all 100% of the money does go to the staff to help pay for them, pay them for all their work and hard work. Uh, everything they do for the site uh, There are rewards including uh, Podcast sw- swapping YouTube videos of the show uh, There's a whole bunch of things Go on there, look it out And please donate what you can If you can Again, that's patreon.com Backslash Proving Gamer Yep, thank you Tricky Sorry, so let's get to our shoutouts Yield, I'm going to let you go first Okay, so Um I would like to give a shout out to all the pimps and the madams of the whoredom. Uh, thank you for listening, downloading, spreading everything that is Trophy Horrors. Um, as we say every week, you know, this show wouldn't exist or would be around as long if it wasn't for all of you who listen and, and you know, tell your friends or your coworkers, hey, listen to this. Um, yes. Um, uh, a shout out to Alex for being here this week. A shout out to Tricky and Steven even though they couldn't be here this week. Um, it's been a really crazy year for all of us with work and and family, you know, uh, stuff that we got to do. It's been really busy. And um, since I've been working a ton of overtime, I really don't have that much other shout-outs to give. 
I guess a shout out to uh, uh, my wife's side of the family because we had a fun Christmas. Shout out to all you guys and gals. Yes, very uh, 